Amen, amen. You all may be seated. Yeah, Mitch nailed it there. Just a great time of worship together and great great time of the year. Uh, busy time of year. You know, I know uh, we, we all, some of us love it more than others. Some of us are Buddy the Elf. Some of us are maybe more Scrooge Grinchy. But either way, the, the calendar keeps turning, so here we are. But, um, you know, kind of a funny thing, uh, and actually Mallory mentioned this in the welcome. Nice job. I think she was taking a dig at me, but I, I won't take it personally. But um, surely, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard of the 10-year challenge, right? Did, did anybody participate in that? I'm not kidding. I don't see a hand. I see my own hand. Who's lying here this morning? Seriously? This is either going to backfire. Well, I think it already has. Or I will enlighten you. But um, I will still do it, Jordan, if you can throw up my picture of my 10-year challenge. This is why you didn't do it. All right? Because your hair looked whatever the equivalent is to that. Um and um, that's a picture of, well, Liz, you can tell Liz looks the same, but um, I look quite different. Is The, the top one is, is uh, the ten and a half years ago at this point, now that, the, that we're getting into another year. We're in Guatemala. In fact, fun fact about that picture, she's actually pregnant with our eldest, our first child, Avelia. And that's where we got that name. We met this like, cutest little girl in the history of the world and this amazing waiter. His name was Avelio. Uh, her name was Avelia, and I was like, dude, the best breakfast I've ever eaten, served by this guy and this cute little girl, and it, it comes from Eve, which means life, and that kind of fit, as you can imagine. So so that was kind of fun. And then I started taking care of my hair uh, a few years later, and <clears throat> I figure I still got it. I should do something with it for now, although it's, it's creeping a little bit. But here's the thing. I, I can't believe none of you did it. Shame on you. Um, Clearly, um, you know, my role as a pastor and shepherd is is lacking, and so I'll probably I'll try and improve on that in the next decade. But you know, these are fun just because they're silly, but there's something to it, right? Like I, for me, and I think everyone, hope you agree with this: is it's fun to look back. Okay, great, it's fun, and and we can be silly, but it's important to look back, uh, whether it's ten years, um, a year, a week, a day. Look, how how is my life different? Ten and twenty and whatever. Some of you can go higher years ago than, than it is today. And, and, then, and then to look forward, right? So we look backwards to look forward. And that's a total theme in, in the scriptures. And so kind of a neat thing happened um, just a few days ago at Christmas. We were invited, Liz and I, our family, to our neighbor's house for Christmas dinner. And um, listen, beef short rib was on the menu. All of a sudden, our, our ske- this is not a joke, our schedule cleared up. And I was there. So, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Hey, burn offerings. Read your Bible. And um, and so just so you know, um, my schedule can free up if the word beef is in the plan. Just saying. And um, so we went there, and not only was the beef short rib life-changing, you might have saw my Insta story, but it, it the conversation was incredible. And um, without getting into too much about these friends, neighbors of ours, we love them dearly. We've been uh, friends really ever since we moved here, and they're really good people. But they brought up a question that I wish I would have brought up as we're at the table. And it was a lot of it was, was generic, but the answers were like deep and meaningful. And, and it was, hey, let's go around the table and share um, about like our highs from 2019. And then any goals or aspirations or hopes or dreams we have for, for 2020. 
And um, it was pretty amazing. Their answer for 2020 was that we, you know, we've been talking and we want to spend more time with people like, like you and Liz and other people like that. And um, it was not so coincidental because that's kind of Liz and I's hope for the next year is to all the people in our life is, is to like be intentional with them. And whether it's our neighbors, um, people here uh, at our gathering, people who know the Lord, people who don't know the Lord, is what does it look like to go and look into this new year as we're about to approach and, and to see them as God sees them and to go to them as, as God would call us to go to them. And so, listen, you've got two and a half days left. I really encourage you to, to do that. If it's just your own immediate family around lunch or dinner today or tomorrow, great. Hey, if you can bring in some community, unbelievers as well, and, and kind of have an intentional conversation, I really think if you bring real life to your community, to your relationships, God will really show up and some pretty cool things will happen. So that's our prayer anyway. So, um, yes, it is December 29th, and so you all know what's coming. And so as everyone in the whole world is doing this week, secular, every church is doing it, and then even like what the bank is doing, like a Vision 2020 thing. And uh, so we kind of copied that. Um, Now, listen, I get it. It's a little corny, all right? But it's only 2020, like, you know, once ever. And so we're going to roll with it. But we did meet, we did find a middle ground. We figured if we played off of Justin Timberlake, a little JT, anybody? All right. You know what I'm saying? It's cool. It's cool. At least to me. Although he's not as maybe hip as he used to be, but I think he is. The, the kids don't. You guys don't know who JT is, but he's the man. He was the man. Um, but our hope as we close a year and go to a new year, a new decade, right? is that now and and forever our vision would be on Christ, the only source of life. And so we're going to walk through uh, a few texts this morning that are going to paint that picture of what it's like to look back at even the law, to look back at, at the story of God, the Creator, and through the Gospels and to us today, is what is it like for the vision to be Jesus and for us to walk in that um, going forward. And so if you um, have your Bibles or Bible app, you can open to the Version Bible app. We even have our notes on there as well. Or if you're old school like me, you can do the paper. That's cool. But open to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I call him Big John, not one of the three little Johns. And um, you can find there. So I made a brief mention at a Christmas Eve gathering about John 1. Just, I'd been sitting with it, getting ready for today. And John 1 is, is just one of those passages. Listen, if you like, I, mean, I only got like three minutes to read the Bible, I put John 1 would be at the top of that list. And so there's so much uh, to uh, this text that um, I wanted to spend a little more um, time with it here. And so the first 13 verses, I mentioned a few of them on whatever day that was, Tuesday. And, and, and John is talking and he opens up with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. And so that Greek word I talked about is logos. And it describes um, this unknown, invisible, unseen force, this logic that's out there that is unknowable in, the, in, in Greek um, culture and Greek uh, philosophy, and so what John does is he takes their own philosophy, their own logic, the culture's own understanding of God, 
or a God or a force. And he declares that this word is knowable. This word is real. And this word can anchor us in our life. And so he starts with that first part of that God is the word. And then what we're going to look at today is as the word revealed himself, we see that the word is the son of God. And so, you know, when you talk about this kind of stuff, like today, if you were to ask people, just take a general poll, if we want to put on like hidden glasses and go poll the people on the streets and you were to ask them, hey, what do you what do you have a harder time with? hearing or understanding that Jesus was a man who really existed or that Jesus was God in the flesh, what what would you think? And I think most people would probably land at, well, I mean, yeah, listen, I mean, I, I'm fine that he existed. I'm, I'm fine that there seems to be enough historical evidence that some man named Jesus of Nazareth walked you know, a couple thousand years ago. Maybe he did some things and his teachings are recorded and there's even other faiths that acknowledge him and a whole lot of people, maybe even most of the world you could maybe say, or half of the world at least, would recognize that Jesus was of great importance to history. Uh, but, uh, man, that he was God? I, I don't know. I don't know that I'd believe that. Good man, good teacher. Maybe I'd go prophet, but no more. Right? I think that's generally, at least my experience, what I've run into. Well, almost 2,000 years ago, when the Apostle John, the first century, the first Christians, the first church, it was kind of the opposite. Like, the people, even unbelievers, they, they, had, they had no problem recognizing that Jesus was God. Like, that was the only explanation. Like, he... They had seen the miracles. They had heard the teachings and the stories. They, they, they knew that the, the tomb was empty. Uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't provide an explanation for that. And, and they had seen Rome and the Roman Empire invaded by kindness and love. And, and, and it was something happened. God did something. But the issue for them at that time was, well, okay, God showed up and did a thing, but, but was, was Jesus really like us? Or was it? more of an angel, prophet, figure that God had sent. And so John addresses this head on, that Jesus was the Son of God. And so why does that matter? Why does that matter? Great fun fact here, but we're going to look through this, um, that was he a man and why does it matter? And so, interesting fact here, John is writing this letter from Ephesus, you may remember Ephesus from the last like three and a half months as we walked through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Funny, Paul writes from prison in Rome to Ephesus. Um, John here writes from Ephesus to all the Roman uh, world and us today, right? And so um, the interesting thing, Ephesus is, is really kind of the epicenter. I know Athens gets a lot of the love for kind of some of the later uh, philosophers in Greece, but Ephesus was part of the birth of it. And so about 500 B.C., a guy named Heraclitus... You may not have heard of, Google him if you want, like Hercules, but not as buff. And so Heraclitus comes up with really this, this, this philosophy that I've kind of mentioned here, this logos, this word, this being, this creator that is intelligent, that, that made us and, 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 and is at work, but, but he is far beyond us and unknowable. And so mythology tries to explain the, the things that God does and the things that happen that are beyond our grasp. But that's the, as far as it gets. And so that's the leading uh, cause of uh, the leading philosophy 
um, in Ephesus and all of really the known world at that time is that there is a logic out there, um, <coughs> but uh, we can't we can't know him. And so John addresses this head on by saying this force is real. You're on to something, but he's knowable. He has revealed himself. He has come, as we just saying. Plato, you've heard of Plato, perhaps the most famous of, he's on the big three of Mount uh, Athens, Rushmore um, of, of Greek philosophers. He says, until we hear a still more sure word of God, maybe lowercase g in, in his quote, until we hear a more sure word of God, we are like ships making our way in the storm at night, trusting in only the best opinions of men. You captain your ship, you captain your ship, I'll captain mine. It's dark, it's stormy, we are just cast, but what, which way do we go? What do I do? Try and figure it out. And, and this quote, there's so much, he's so close. Until we hear a word from God. And so John is living amongst this. All of the first church are living among this. And, you know, so are we. Until we would actually hear or experience or, or have a revelation from God, it's just every man for himself and, and you do you and, and you and all truth is relative. And there's just this idea that we're alone. And maybe there's something out there. I think we hope there is as we die, you know. But like, you know, that's kind of a separate compartment of our life. And I know it has been true uh, certainly in many areas of my life. And so John... In Ephesus, takes the word, the logos, and, and and he leans into these people as he's living among them. As he as he writes his, this is the opening of his gospel. It's really this is like, guys, this is the intro to what God has done. And and he and he takes this word and he says, listen, I got to tell you something. In the beginning, was this word, and he. Goes in, starts talking about Jesus for 13 verses here. He was with God. Everything that is created, everything that we know of, everything you've experienced, everything you've even thought, it has come from Him. And so as, as we look forward with our lives, we have to look back to who He was because He has revealed Himself to us. And as we get to verse 14, that's what we're going to pick up right now. John's going to say something. That if true, every single one of us must align our lives to. Here are the four words that change the world forever. Let's read in verse 14, John chapter 1. It says, Now the Word became flesh and took up residence among us. Your Bible may say, and made its dwelling among us. More on that word in a moment. We saw His glory. The glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. Like, it was God. God showed up. Everybody agreed with that. Verse 15. John, we'll talk about him in a second, testified about him and shouted out, This is the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than I am, because he existed before me. The four words, you can fill them out. I'm not going to drag you on forever, that'd be kind of fun, is right, all four are in that sentence. The Word became flesh. Those words, the truth behind those words has changed the world 
forever. And it ought to change every part of our lives. Because this isn't just something we believe or hope for. It happened. And the Word, the God, the Creator, I Am from Exodus 3, has come and made His dwelling among us. The Word became flesh. And so, as my man, I never met him, he died a long time ago, C.S. Lewis put it, we only have three choices, which is really just like two choices. You dismiss him as, okay, yeah, this man lived and and he was a good teacher, which you can't do because he would be a liar because of the things he said and claimed. Or um, he was crazy, like just this, this nut job who claimed to be God, but he wasn't. He was just crazy. The only other option is that it's real. And the Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. You have to pick one of those. There is not another option. And so as we move into a new year, that's an answer that we have to give between us and God. Now, this, uh, this word dwelling, it, it comes from the Greek word skeneo. It is, it is the Greek word skeneo. And it literally describes pitching a tent or building a house to come and live under. And so what John is directly referencing is the tabernacle. When God literally had Moses and the Israelites build a tent, the tent of meeting. And so I actually want to hop back. You can turn if you want or follow along on the app. Or you can hold your place in John's. We're going to come right back. But in Exodus 33, um, I want to just read some of this in verse 7. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it other than picture this. Picture our lives orienting in a similar way to how the Israelites viewed Skeneo with God. Exodus 33, verse 7. Moses took the tent. He pitched it outside the camp at a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone seeking the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. And when Moses went out to the tent, all the people would get up and stand at the entrance to their tents and watch Moses until he entered the tent. And whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people would see the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people, each one at the entrance of his own tent, would rise up and worship. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face the way a person speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, did not leave the tent. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you've been saying to me, bring this people up, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. But you said, I know you by name, and also you have found favor in my sight. Now, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way that I may know you, that I may continue to find favor in your sight, and see that this nation is your people. Verse 14, circle this, highlight it. We'll go to Ebor and get tattoos later. This is it. You need this as you enter 2020, and I need it. The Lord said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you, what's the word? Rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not take us up from here. 
For how will it be known then that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we will be distinguished? What a word. I and your people from all the other people who are on the face of the earth. Last verse I'll read. The Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have requested. For you have found favor in my sight. And look at this. And I know you by name. I mean, uh, talk about a New Year's resolution. Just go ahead and copy that one. Intentionally meet with God outside of your camp. And I'll just equate that to your comfort zone. Not just your house. Not just your community, city group that you're in community with. Praise God for that. Outside of that, to your neighbors, to your friends, to to new people you meet, to people on the street. And just in this text, it's incredible. Speak to God as a friend. Receive rest. How? From His presence. That's God's plan. It always has been that we would take an entire day to rest in His presence. Refuse to enter 2020 without His presence. Otherwise, you're just flipping the calendar. I don't think God wants us to settle for that. And then that word, be distinguished as we make our relationship with Him known. You know, back over in, in John 1, you, you can turn there, verse 16 uh, picks up more of this story. And, um, and let me just read it, read it for you. It really ties in right with Exodus 33. Uh, John continues writing. He says, For we've all received from His fullness one gracious gift after another. Thank you, Lord. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Law and grace, something you certainly hear Mitch talk about all the time. And I like to, uh, I'll closet Lutheran a little bit in there. A little bit, a little bit. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only one, himself God, who is in closest fellowship with the Father, has made God known. You know, there's this, I don't really fall for these like pastor jokes too often. But when I get a pretty good dad pastor joke, I like to use it. And so you're welcome. But uh, our friend Todd Wagner over at Watermark Church in Dallas, he used it. So if it's awesome, give him credit. If it stinks, well, I got it from him. But he tells this really brief story of, um, and you can probably Google pastorjokes.com. I bet that's a domain, actually. And um, it says there's a story of this kid in class. It's like free drawing time, and he's drawing um, on his sheet. And his teacher, you know, teacher walks around and says, oh, Johnny, you know, what are you drawing a picture of? And he says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And, of course, she, you know, knows all the logic, right? Says, well, Johnny, no one knows what God looks like. And he says, well, they will in a minute. You know, if if you let me finish, you let me finish my drawing, teach. But what's God like? Who is he? If the word became flesh, perhaps he revealed something about himself. Seems simple enough to me. Well, the Apostle Paul, he describes um, how we should be in relation to who and how God is. In Philippians chapter 2, turn there if if you can sword drill it. Otherwise, um, again, follow along here. 
But in verse 5 uh, is so important, important setup to the next few verses. The Apostle Paul is writing this. He says, You, you, I, me, all of us, should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus did. Okay. How was Christ Jesus? Verse 6. Christ, who, though He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. But He emptied Himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. The Word became flesh. Verse 8. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And not just any death, even death on a cross. As a result, God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name. We just sang that. And it's true. Verse 10, So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Just like in, Ephes- in Ephesians, to the praise of His glory, right? You know, Bob Goff um, writes in his book, Everybody Always. I would, um, you know, I'm a C.S. Lewis guy, but I think for just the simplicity of what do I do, how do I be, how do I live, I go Bob Goff. And so it's Everybody Always, and this is a book that all y'all always uh, should read and reread. It's very simple. It should be an annual thing, and really you should do that. But he writes in Everybody Always, he says, Our problem, oh, this is a blank on your card, and I... Uh, It may even be a a quote on there which will help me read it. Our problem following Jesus is that we're trying to be better versions of us rather than a more accurate reflection of Him. Now listen, be you as God made you, right? He has given us all gifts. We just read that. But it's not American pull up your bootstraps and just kind of chisel off a little bit of the obvious sin and Murk and mess. It is, I need to die. Carl needs to get just pulverized and reworked as the potter, a great father, reworks the clay to be more accurate reflection of him. You know, one of our core values here, you hear us talk about, and we even have some of these bracelets. I'm going to touch the little green one. It reminds me of it. Is that we want to look like Jesus. Right? We want to look to him in adoration, and we want to look like Him in transformation. We, want to, we need to look and be more like Christ. It is a tenet of our church, and, and it's, it's straight from Scripture. And, but the difficulty is unless we have the full and right view of who God was, we'll just kind of be becoming smarter sinners, basically. And we'll just kind of become maybe better citizens or improve our morality a little more than the next guy. But that's, that's not just the call. Now, some of those things come with it, not hating on, on those things. But we are called to be like Christ. That's what Christians, we are little Christs. And so who was he? Well, right here in Philippians 2, and well, in this whole book, He wasn't just a good man or a good teacher, like some of you are. No, Jesus is nothing like us. Though he was rich, he made himself what? Poor. 
though he was a king, the king, not just a king with a little castle, the king made himself a slave. We would never do that. Just like you would never do the stupid 10-year picture, add me to this list. We would never do that. We are so unlike this Christ. And try as you may to look a little more like him or act a little more like him, you and I can't do it. The law shows us that plainly. But as we see him who he is and see us for what a mess we are, it's only then that we can come and bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords as is here. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He made himself nothing. Humbled, obedient, death. Any takers. But verse 9, exalted by God. The Word became flesh and skeneo dwelt with us and was exalted by God. Our lives, this year and every year and every day forward, tent with God outside your comfort zone. That might look like, I don't know, singing. Playing off of Mitch's thing. Praising Him. Praying. Sharing your faith with your neighbor or your family. Making it a point to connect in community, both the Sunday gathering and the midweek gatherings in our city groups, which will be coming up here in a few weeks. You'll hear more about those. Getting involved building God's kingdom, who was a great king and became a slave and has gifted us to live that same way for his kingdom, not our own. God says, I am so unlike you that when you offend me, when you live at enmity, when you are a just rebel against me, do you know what I do? I come and I love you. I, when, when you do things and live in a way that deserves death, do you know what I do? I come and I die in your place. We are unlike him. Yet we know him and have seen him. And we are called to follow Him. How could we not be moved by that? Into just greater expression of who He is and what He has called us all to do as we then turn to look with Him at this world and at ourselves and others and all we're in relationship with. The Word became flesh. And so, though um, He is nothing like us, we are also then called to be kind of nothing like us. Let me catch one more verse here in, in John 1, verse 19. The next verse introduces, a really uh, reintroduces, because he mentioned John a little bit before this, but he, he gives a verse about John, maybe you know him as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, those of you that are anti-Baptist. So, he says... Now, this was John the Baptist's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. You know what they asked him? They said, 
Who are you? And so as we look to a new year, I, I can't think of a better question. Who do you desire to be now, this year? Now, there's a blank on your sermon note card. And this is one of those things. Now, listen, you may have, oh, I know the answer. I've been praying on it and, and, and all that. Awesome. Do it. This is kind of one of those to sit with. And so there's going to be a moment as we respond in, in worship. And we're going to take communion here in a second. And, and you might need the rest of this day. You might need help from your spouse or your friend. Help me see this. Help me. Wh- what kind of man do I want to be? What kind of woman do I need to be? What kind of student do I need to be? Like, Lord, I'm going into a new year, a new decade. Who am I? Who does God want me to be? And, and do that in community and, and, and in a lot of prayer and in His presence. Get out of your comfort zone. And, and, and sit with that here. Because the first followers of Christ, I mean, let's look at John the Baptist, for crying out loud. They didn't quite live according to the way of their culture. In fact, that's putting it pretty mildly. They lived in the complete opposite of their culture. And that's really hard for us to do today. I'm not great at it. And probably true for many of you. But the first Christians, they committed their entire lives And many lost their lives living like little Christs in order to gain true life. And so the Apostle John, which this is kind of a theme for him, especially in the book of Revelation, but he tries to make sense of it as best he could. And and his kind of M.O. is symbolism. And um, he introduces us to John the Baptist, and he gives a great detail in the first few chapters of his gospel, I encourage you to read them, uh, up to the role that John the Baptist fulfilled um, to pave the way uh, for the Christ, to fulfill the role of, of Elijah. And so we have the example of John the Baptist. We have, of course, the example of God himself um, becoming a man and making his dwelling among us. And we have the example of the early church. But we also, I want to hone in on the example of Elijah as he talks about there. The great symbolism that John the Baptist fulfilled is the role of Elijah which takes a prominent role at the Last Supper. We don't always make that connection if we just read it. Oh, cool, Jesus is having his last meal. Like, you know, okay, is that like a hey, before you're executed thing? There might be something to that. But it wasn't just any meal. He's taken the celebrating the Passover meal, which was very intentional. And it's something that, that we do every time that we gather here is we remember Christ. And so if you are a follower of Christ and you've put your faith, your trust in Him, you're not perfect, but you're like, hey, I'm in. He's my Lord, and I, I come under Him, and I, I need to die, and He needs to live. If you've, put, if you've made that decision and put your trust in Him, in the seat back in front of you, there are these little communion cups. And uh, I encourage you to grab one. And you can just kind of take off the film. Sometimes it's easier than others. I got an easy one. And take out the wafer. And, and this is a symbol. But at that last meal, Jesus is, is with his disciples. They still don't know what's going on. What else is new? And, and he takes the bread. Again, it's not his dinner roll. He takes the afikomen, the bread that was set aside, wrapped in a cloth. And he takes it and he opens it and he says, this is my body broken for you. And I encourage you to break it because it reminds me that out of his great love, his body was broken, so, so mine doesn't have to be. 
And I'm not worthy of that, but thank you, Lord. And, and he breaks it. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and partake of the wafer. But then he takes the cup. It's not just his cup. Cheers. At a Passover meal, you would set an entire place setting for kind of nobody. If there were, in this case, I guess there's 13 of them, there'd be a 14th place setting. And it was set up with everything, but it was for Elijah. And it was just a remembrance that one day God, just like he did at the great Passover, he will come. And before he comes, he will send his messenger, he will send Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord, which we know from Scripture that that was John the Baptist. Well, at this Last Supper, he doesn't take his drink, which I've got a couple of them. He takes Elijah's cup. Nobody would ever drink Elijah's cup. It was just symbolic. But he takes it. And the disciples would know this is, he's off script here. He's eaten the showbread, and now he's, he's drinking Elijah's cup. And probably some of them would have finally grasped it. And he says, this, Elijah's cup of sacrifice, this is my blood poured out for you for forgiveness of your sins. Every time you partake of this, do this in remembrance of me. Partake of the cup. Jesus was able to declare that because he is the word of God. And because he is the son of God, as that word became flesh, both fully God and fully man, yet nothing like us. And so as we move into a new year, sit with that question. And if you're in here and you know someone else in here, get on about it. Because this will be growth for us individually as we grow to be more like Christ and and as we grow to make an impact where he's planted us. And so uh, the band's going to come forward as I pray over us and, and we get a chance to respond in worship. Think to Exodus 33. Think to the tent of meeting that we will come and we will praise God together as we anticipate hearing from him and worshiping him. Let's pray. Lord, you are, you are good and we love you. Um, Lord, we come before you as sinners in need of a Savior. We come before you just at at enmity with you. Yet we respond in worship. And Lord, as we just partook of, of the cup, may we remember that how sweet it is to know you and to walk in your ways and to walk with you. Lord, would you be glorified as we praise you, as we remember who you are, as we declare that you will come, you have come, and your presence will go with us now into 2020. And Lord, forevermore, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name.